0: today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Those pizza nights, every time we'd host another pizza night, more and more people would show up. Eventually, it got so big that we said, hey, let's do a conference. That conference evolved into a community of over 100,000 people. We do two webinars a week. We have a podcast. We have a book coming out. We do dinners in different cities. We do conferences. We donate um, all the profits from it. We partner with a nonprofit called Launch Academy to put it together. And the philosophy there that boast was built upon was Fall in love with your customer and make them successful beyond your product or service. Fall in love with your customer, make them successful beyond your product or service. If you build a community, you won't become a commodity. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief,
1: Zach Miller. I like to say that it takes a village to raise a fintech firm. You can really see the power of the ecosystem when it comes to successful companies in our space, like Square and Plaid. Lloyd Lobo has seen firsthand the power of having an audience. Launched in the spare bedroom with pizza nights, the community he co-founded Traction now numbers 100,000 people, building some of the best companies in the space. Lloyd's own company, Boast, has seen the fruits of this community. It helps companies apply for R&D tax credits. With a newly formed fund of $100 million, it also helps tech firms finance these credits. We talk about the power of community and how it can help find fans, early fans, and customers for a novel concept. Lloyd shares his experience building Boast, and how smaller firms are now able to tap these credits that previously were accessible by some of the largest tech companies. Boast uses a hybrid tech and human delivery model. Lloyd talks
0: about that, too. Lloyd Lobo is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. My name is Lloyd Lobo. I'm the co-founder and president of Boast AI, Boast AI is a platform that automates access to government funding for innovative businesses. Each year, globally, hundreds of billions of dollars are given in funding by governments to spur innovation, but it's mired in red tape, right? It takes a long time to up, uh, come, come around. It's a cumbersome manual application process, and it's prone to frustrating audits. Boast AI Integrates with a company's technical and financial systems and streamlines the application process, so companies can get more money faster for less time and risk. Awesome, and I guess I mean the first we've had, we've had a lot
1: of founders uh, in in your seat, and um, this is the first time we've ever spoken specifically about about this piece of um, of tax. Like, where did you, where did how did you first uh, encounter? I guess the, the the inefficiencies around around tax credits.
0: Definitely. So my co-founder and I had been best friends for years. We went to university together. He's my daughter's godfather. I'm his god- daughter's godfather. After university, he got into Johnson & Johnson's engineering leadership program, built software there. Then he did a startup that failed. And after he uh, realized that you know he needs to learn accounting and finance, and so he went to school for accounting after that failed startup and his unique combination of engineering and accounting took him into the world of tax credits because now he could decipher the R&D a company was doing and then position it to the government for these tax credits. After a few years in the industry, he called me and he said, man, this process is broken. It's manual. I want to start a business in it. Uh, would, be, would love to work together. I was at the time working at a startup in Philly. And um, the CEO there had a very hustle porn mentality. So everyone is lemons, Mm -hmm. he'd say, and want to squeeze as much as possible. (laughs) And um, one day I used to work in the office till eight, nine o'clock. And one day I started going home at six. And a couple of days in, he sends me an email saying, hey, I used to like it when you were in the office till eight, nine o'clock. What's causing you to go home? Your wife is in residency. Like my wife was a med student in residency. And he's like, she's working 100 plus hours a week anyway. So what do you need to go home for? That week, my parents were visiting. My parents live in Toronto, Canada. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, I still have that email saved. And that, you know, Alex called me and he said, hey, why don't we do something together? And I told him, I said, I don't care what we do together. As long as I can build a company, I want to work for I'm in. And that was the, the genesis of Boast AI.
1: That's a great story. Um, so there's this this decision to kind of break out on your own with with a good friend. Um, what are some of the specific challenges, I guess, in terms of turning this process into a fintech?
0: Definitely right. So traditionally, if you look at tax credits and R and D tax credits and innovation funding, in particular. The governments are giving you billions of dollars, right? It's people's money. So they want to make sure proper due diligence is done, that the work you're doing is truly R&D, and it's not like I'm putting an intercom chatbot on my website. So you need to look at all the work you're doing and see if it truly qualifies. The government has a very narrow criteria. Is the work doing new uh, done to produce a new or improved business component, are they facing technological challenges or uncertainties that can't be resolved with publicly available information? And was there systematic experimentation? Was there work done through a rinse, lather, repeat, or an iterative process to get to the end outcome? So you need to prove that, right? And CTOs are busy running their company. Um, At the end of the year, if their accountant comes and says, hey, tell me what you did in R&D that meets this narrow criteria, they got to blow their brains out. CTOs are highly sort of expensive people, like very expensive people who are uh, in a company to push product and and code and make sure there's product is being delivered, not to write applications for tax credits. And so we said, hey, you know, accountants come in at the end of the year. So there's two problems with accountants doing this. One, they come in at the end of the year and they do a look back. Two, they're not technical, right? So, So they spend, they chew up a lot of time on a company's CTO or engineering resources. And then three, if they get audited, then the CTO or a company's engineering resources has to explain to the IRS or the Canadian government or any government why that work qualified per the criteria. So we said, you know what, how do we streamline this? A company has all their data related to engineering and the financials of those engineering in their JIRA, GitHub project management systems and their payroll systems. What if we integrate with them and pull that data in proactively through the year? The second thing is, uh, time tracking. Nobody tracks time, but the government wants to see who spent how much time on it. So once you have their engineering data and their payroll data, then you can track who spent how much time on it. So we wrote like complex algorithms to figure out time tracking automatically. Then it's like, how do you turn, uh, how do you figure out what qualifies and what doesn't? And we have engineers on the team who can look at that, make sense of that unstructured data, and then f- uh, figure out what qualifies and what doesn't and provide the feedback to the system. And then the last bit is it takes a long time to get the money, right? So you spend a year in R&D, and then you apply to the government three, four months later. Then the government gives you the money three, four months later. So that whole process takes like 16, 18 months. So then recently, we, last year um, last year in February or so, we announced a $100 million fund to front load cash, right? And that's the fintech play. We said, you know what? We're already integrating your technical financial systems. We know with great certainty, based on our algorithms and our past success rate, how much money you're going to get back from the government. So why wait 16, 18 months to get it from the government? Use Boast. We'll monitor and track and prepare your applications and we'll give you the money now. So you're not waiting to get it from the government. Wow. Um,
1: And and so obviously, you know, Boast uses, uh, as you described, some form of of AI. You have it in your your domain name. Um, You also have these experts. So can you talk about that, Lloyd, about, um, I guess... The, the hybrid model of, of providing a technology, but also having some humans there along the way.
0: So the way I say it is you can't build a machine learning application that flies solo for complex enterprise applications, especially legal tax, anything that has a lot of unstructured data. You need humans in the loop. And the, and the, way, to around, the way to go about it is day one, you're starting out. What are the things you need? You need data. How do I get data? then you got to take that data and be like, is it structured? Is it unstructured? If it's unstructured, then you got to structure it. Then you need humans in the loop to inform the algorithms. Because at the end of the day, customers want an outcome. And I have had two failures in the AI space to say this firsthand. Customers want an outcome. They don't care about your fancy AI and software. What good is it if you apply and they get rejected, right? Our goal is to get them the outcome. And so we have the software and we have engineers and CPAs who are customer success people. And then what happens is year one, year two, you're collecting this data, you have humans in the loop. And then the more and more data you have and the more and more workflow you do, then you can apply machine learning. It gets more intelligent with more and more data. But like it doesn't fly like that on year one, right? So I, I, was, I found another company called Automatically. It was a chatbot built on top of Zendesk. And my biggest learning there. Was you know if I if I knew then what I knew now because back back then 2012 13 14 there was no such thing as a chatbot and we implemented this chatbot on top of Zendesk and we're like okay we'll respond to inbound queries like a real human we get thousands of people sign up and then be like make this stop and then we made the responses edit or approve and they're like oh it's it's spitting gibberish if I knew then what I know today I would have just asked everyone what are your top 20 30 50 most Frequent questions, and I would have done a lookup table, right? Like if this question, then then this answer, kind of thing, right? And today, chatbots are multi-billion-dollar industry, right? And so the job is augmented with humans as much as possible to get the outcome. Once you have repeatability in the outcome, then you can train the models to then get better and better and better.
1: Got it. And and what percentage of your users, um, your clients uh, have? sort of undertaken this this uh this laborious like sort of uh process on their own versus versus new customers who who didn't necessarily know they could do do this type of thing and 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 coming to boast to, to be able to do it for the first time.
0: It's 50-50, you know, 50% of the people don't know about it. Um actually let's break it down by markets. In the US, I would say you know, 50, 60, 70% of the people, between 50 and 70. A couple of years ago, like 90% of the people were new. Mm-hmm. Um, because the US program, what happened was traditionally only large profitable companies like Amazon's could take advantage of the R&D credit. Then in the PATH Act of 2015, they introduced a new provision that said startups uh, that are pre-revenue can leverage the R&D credits to offset payroll taxes and get a cash back. So in the US, uh, the benefit for startups and smaller companies is new, Uh, But still like, you know, 50, 60% of the people are greenfield, they don't know. In Canada, it's far more established, right? Like, so the US, although dollar for dollar in R&D credits gives out lots of money, like billions, probably more than most countries, but on a per capita basis, it's very little, right? Like, so the lion's share gets consumed by the Amazons of the world who claim billions in R&D credits, but on a per capita basis or per company basis, you're only getting like 10 to 50, ten to 20%, right? 10% from federal and then every state is different and it's a uh, it's a small amount. If you look at Canada, you get 64% of your R&D spend as a cashback. If you factor in federal, provincial uh, and other proxy amounts, UK, Australia, France, New Zealand, Ireland, they're all north of 30%. So it's more lucrative. When it's more lucrative, everyone knows about it. And when everyone knows about it, then they're like, you know what? My process is painful. AF, right? Like so, in Canada, it's like oh, it's a painful process. I gotta sit in these audits, explain. It's just, it's just a mess. Please take the pain away. And and the, the the benefit of integrating with the tech and financial systems and doing it proactively is this: when you come in at the end of the year, let's say your tax filing deadline is June in Canada, and you come in in like April or so as an accountant and said, "Tell me what you did in R and D last year." You're only gonna tell the obvious things because as a CTO, what do you wanna optimize for the twenty percent? You're just going to make your life easy. But when you integrate with their systems, we see everything. And so we make sure no money is left on the table. So I would say in Canada, more than 50% of the time, we are rip and replacing. We're taking them from somebody else. In the US, it's the reverse. It's, uh, it's uh, like about 80% of the time, it's new.
1: And I know Lloyd that you wear another hat, and that's as as co-founder of Traction. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what Traction is, um, and I guess the impact uh, that wearing this other hat has had on 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 Boast.
0: Definitely right. So I'm a big believer in community. You know, from from all my learnings being at other startups, I realized customers want an outcome; they don't want software. And so when we started Boast, we were effectively you know, going up against Big Four, right? Big Four accounting firms, like the KPMGs of the world, and we're two guys in a spare bedroom working out of a spare bedroom. My co-founder's spare bedroom. So we're like, you know what? We're failed founders. We've been had bad experiences. Why don't we just start creating a community to learn from each other? So we started hosting pizza nights. Those pizza nights. Every time we'd host another pizza night, more and more people would show up. Eventually it got so big that we said, hey, let's do a conference. That conference evolved into a community of over 100,000 people. We do two webinars a week. We have a podcast. We have a book coming out. We do dinners in different cities. We do conferences. We donate um, all the profits from it. We partner with a nonprofit called Launch Academy to put it together. And the philosophy there that Boast was built upon was fall in love with your customer and make them successful beyond your product or service. Fall in love with your customer, make them successful beyond your product or service if you build a community, you won't become a commodity. And, and perfect examples there, like the HubSpot. HubSpot built a community around inbound marketing before they even had marketing automation software. Gainsight built a community around customer success before they even had customer success platform, right? And Nike, they celebrate athletes and athletics. It's, uh, you know, shoes are a commodity. Harley Davidson, they almost went bankrupt in the 80s but they did a whole turnaround based on building a community around writers. And so we said, you know what, if we, if we call it the boast club, everyone will think they're going to be sold to. So we said, what do founders want? What do business owners want? What is the one thing that is evergreen? It's traction. You want to keep getting traction, right? And so we, we called our community traction um, around bringing people together to help innovators become successful. Our mission at boast is not tax credits, right? Our mission at Bolst is to help innovators change the world. Every dollar spent in innovation returns 20 to the economy. From vaccines to robots to clean drinking water is a function of innovation. Yet in the last 15 years, more than 50% of the Fortune 500 companies have evaporated because they don't have an effective way to innovate. And so we said, you know, how do you help innovators become successful? First step is how do you get the data? the only way we could get people to give us the data for R&D and financials was by automating a complex R&D tax credit process. Then we said, you know what, why do people apply for tax credits to fund their innovation? Well, why do they need funding for innovation to accelerate innovation? So our Our long-term vision, our big vision, is to help companies accelerate innovation by now leveraging this data and then giving them insights to innovate faster, who to hire, what projects to invest in. And so, you know, both combined with our community traction, we're helping innovators become successful by giving them the technology, the funding, and all the community resources, classes, coaching, uh, mentorship to become successful.
1: And. I guess in the time that we have left for the final question um, I'm curious uh, as you look forward into 2022, uh, what, what do you have on your plate? Like what are your big audacious goals? What does the year look for you?
0: The year looks for us is uh, you know, the way I, the way I look at it is um, you know, adding more people in the last year, we've added over hundred people this year, expanding our footprint, more customers, growing the community, just, you know, we're at a point where we're over eight figures in revenue and ultimately just driving more growth and making our customers more and more successful, right? We measure our success by the degree to which we make our customers successful, how much more money we can get them from the government. Are they raising money? Are they becoming successful? Are they hiring? Are they economic contributors?
1: And what about you as, as a professional within the organization? What are some of your, your goals this year?
0: You know what, this is the year where I said to myself, I'm not going to have any professional goals. So last year in January, 2020, after we, so we bootstrapped the company to eight figures in revenue. Then we had raised a 23 million USD series a, then we took hundred million. We did hundred million fund and I got COVID and I was hospitalized and this was the first variant. I, got. I was hospitalized, I was on oxygen and I was sitting in the hospital and I said, if I went today, my biggest regret would be I didn't spend enough time with my family and kids, right? And I was, I was like, you know, I think it was a miracle that I was saved. And uh, and then, you know, I, I, I made a promise that I'd spend more time with family, but then, you know, we're just raised. The so first couple of months I made through on that word But then we went on and hired lots and lots of people. And I went back to being busy. And my eight year old comes to me and said, dad, everything you promised was a lie. Um, You're working all more than you ever did before. We never saw you growing up. You never spent any time with us. What's going on? So I said, hey, now the company is like over hundred people. We were 30 people last year. So I got to care for the people. And there, she's like, why don't you go and work for another founder who thinks like you so you can spend more time with us? Hmm. So this this year, I'm a smart eight-year-old, right? I was, totally. I was shocked. I was shocked. And so this year is a year of personal goals for me, right? The biggest outcomes in technology from Dropbox to Shopify are all founder-led. So if founders don't equip themselves to play the long game, then, you know, the chances of the company succeeding are lower, right? And so it's like putting the oxygen on your face before you put it on, on the kid next to you, which is which is your company. And so this year, for me, it's all about professional goals, uh, personal goals. And that is, you know, getting into good physical shape. I had ballooned my weight. I had ballooned. I hadn't worked, and worked out in over a year or so. Um, I, I, I grew, like, you know, blew up to way over 200 pounds. So it's like, hey, how do I get In the next three, four months, get to like 10% body fat, Um, learning different things. My goal this year, every 30 days is to learn a new skill and and chronicle it, get like somewhat proficient. So I enrolled in the DJ Academy. I've learned to DJ and produce music on the side over the next two, three months. I'm learning parkour. Um, I got, I'm getting, um, professional coaching to, to learn, to get into better shape, those kinds of things, learn Spanish, spend more time with the kids, uh, joining break dance classes with my kids, spending more time doing that. Because I think ultimately if I'm, I'm mentally strong personally, when you do these things, right, you get a dopamine hit, um, and, and it reduces the feeling of depression, right? Like working out, getting jazzed up, energized, it, it, it releases endorphins that, uh, that, calms down the stress then help me work harder and come stronger and think more creatively but if all you're thinking is work you're gonna get burnt out i'm actually in the best sort of mental state i've ever been all my life
1: wow um i really appreciate that that personal and honest answer thank you lloyd and thanks for
0: joining us on the Tier sheet podcast today definitely thank you so much for hosting me thank you so much zach